Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. A-teamers, let's welcome advocate Darisaim Chuchu Macmillan, who's executive director at Mosaic Training, Service and Healing Center. Thank you very much for joining us, Darisai. Good evening, Patricia, and good evening to your listeners. Firstly, tell us what you do at Mosaic Training, Service and Healing Center. Uh, Mosaic is an, uh, um, is an organization that responds uh, to gender-based violence, particularly domestic violence. We offer access to justice programs through court support and in the Tutuzela Care Centers. Uh, we also offer counseling services, long, medium-term and short-term, depending on the needs of the survivor, and with some empowerment programs and advocacy where we try to advance laws that and policy to ensure that we're influencing the way we are responding to gender-based violence and domestic violence. Now, it's a sad reality that in South Africa, gender-based violence is still very rife. Um, LGBTQI plus community is struggling with this. Um, We've seen a lot of reports of uh, women being killed, children being hurt. This pandemic of COVID-19 has made these cases even so apparent. Talk to us about, you know, the, the work that you're doing. Are you seeing that there's more consciousness of not partaking in gender-based violence or are people so frustrated and so numb that they they just don't care and the numbers are rising when it comes to gbv well i think i mean it's interesting uh patricia that you mentioned the pandemic uh first of all i I think for us we really like to always highlight that the pandemic the main pandemic is gender-based violence and it's not secondary to covid but what COVID has did for all of us is that it locked us in, right, to where we, where we were believed that we're being locked into safe spaces, our homes, in our communities. What COVID, the, what the pandemic has done is actually reveal that there's a bigger problem in homes, relationships, and communities where people are not safe. So the safe place that was assumed would be safe for people was not safe. And we're seeing the numbers rising. So they're not rising because it's a new phenomenon. They're rising because there were underlying issues that were never dealt with. And because of the situation of the COVID-19 pandemic, we see it more and more. We also see it, I mean, part of it is we see it because we live in the information age. People videoize and document and are more open to talking about it. So we we know that the the problem is 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 greater than what we think um and i do i do agree with you in the sense that i think people are numbed in the sense that they don't know what to do um or that people just continue to believe that it is especially when it comes to domestic violence or violence in terms of gender-based violence that it's a private matter and people are not intervening to prevent and to stop it A-teamers, please do weigh in. It's a sensitive uh, topic that we're talking about. Yes, I do understand. But I think, as uh, Darisai has said, there are underlying issues that have 
never been addressed that are causing um, gender-based violence to be such a huge pandemic, as Darasai puts it, in our country. And uh, I'd like to hear from you. Are there any solutions that you can come up with as an A-teamer so that we can stop scratching the surface and speaking about gender-based violence as if it's something that's far-fetched and rather get to the root cause of where it comes from and we can then start dealing with these underlying issues and conditions so we can heal better and we can stop this sort of scourge. Call in on 11 or SMS on 41391. A-Tima, you can also WhatsApp 0614104107. Darasai, now at uh, Mosaic Training Service and Healing Center, you have uh, launched a SAFE project. What is the SAFE project about? Well, the SAFE project uh, for us is recognizing that solutions cannot, can no longer just come from the top, and by top we mean from a national or provincial level, that we realize that the person that the victim of domestic violence or gender-based violence faces is actually that interfacing person at a very local level, either at the police station or in a court um, or other local NGOs and other community leaders or community uh, organizations such as churches where religious leaders or community leaders or traditional leaders. We also realize that for us specifically, over the, we've had 28 years of administering um, services, response services to domestic violence, and one of those is the protection order system. And we can talk, right, you and I can talk, and I'm sure your listeners as well as they call in will tell you about how useless the protection order system is. It's not worth the paper it's written on. But it is the tool that our survivors have uh, to rely on. So what we've come up with is how can we strengthen that protection order system? So instead of just looking at it from strengthen from strengthening in terms of the law itself, where it's often very top, we really are starting to work together with the police, with the magistrates, with the clerks and the community leaders and seeing a way in which we can connect each other with what, with what we call safe platforms. And not and when we talk about locals, like if I'm going to create a safe platform in Philippi, we look at the resources that are in Philippi. So that's where we launched our first one. We look at the resources that are in Philippi so that we're not creating an ideal situation in which a police officer cannot respond to the needs of a survivor when they report to him or her in Philippi. We want to connect them to services of NGOs within Philippi and we, to ensure that the, 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 the expectation we create is met at that local level. So that's what safe. So we we go, we're piloting it in Philippi, Mitchell's Plain in Pau, and we hope it's a model that can be um, that that can be put across, you know, nationally to ensure that we have localized solutions that don't just once that just don't put one size fits all because it makes sense on paper. But we want things that are very practical to ensure we save lives of women. Teresai, is it practical to have all these uh, stakeholders pulling together in one direction um, under this banner of a Mosaic Training Service and Healing Center? Is it practical? Is it possible? Because it sounds like that's what we need across board, but is it practical? 
Well, the practical, the, the, the innovation in terms of a local multi-stakeholder collaboration comes in that it's not mosaic. It's not mosaic's um, a solution, but it is that we are recognizing that the police must do what the police must do. The clock must do what the clock must do. So the Department of Justice and other NGOs. And if we come together where we are sharing resources, not looking at, oh, there's no money. Because when we talk of resources, people always think of, oh, there is no money. So it's how do we make sure that the police officer uses the resource of what he, he or she is trained in to respond to the needs. And what we are doing from a safe perspective is making sure that it's coordinated. And we are moving towards the same goal, which is to protect women, to ensure that they are safe in their, in their relationships, they're safe in their homes, and they're safe in their community. So all the stakeholders are already geared towards that but it's working in an uncoordinated manner in which sometimes you hear reports, oh, the police officer didn't respond because they had certain beliefs about domestic violence. But if they're working together with Mosaic, where we have training resources, where we have social workers, we're able to, to connect our resources together to ensure that women are safe in their relationships, homes and communities. There's a voice note here from an A-teamer. Let's uh, listen to it. Good evening, Patricia and your guest. I have a very simple question. If I, as a man, get uh, abused or beaten up by my wife, is that considered GBV? And if we're to go to court, would the court show sympathy to the woman, as usual as the community does, or would she also be denied bail as the way they treat men that do such things as well? Just curious. This is Kincaid, Johannesburg. Thank you for that question, Kincaid. Um, Advocate uh, Darisai? So in response to that, I must also add that Mosaic does have an engaging men and boys program. However, we also recognize that there are men who are abused. And for us, we talk of victims. Yes, we know that the balance of victimhood uh, is is basically tipped to the side of many more women are being abused. But if you access services, if you go to court and you need a protection order because your wife is is the uh, voice noter is is noted, you are you are la- you are eligible to get a protection order, and you receive a protection order. They will not not respond just because you are a man. So the law is on everyone's side. And, the law uh, is on everyone's side. And gender-based violence, uh, he asked another question, does it apply to his scenario? Yes, it applies. If, if, if the criteria is met, where you're, especially with domestic violence, where either there's physical abuse, emotional abuse, financial abuse, then it applies. For, you know, gender is about equality. It is not just about only women are the ones who are abused. And I'm glad that this particular message from our A-team has sparked you to tell us about your programs for men and boys. Um, can you elaborate more on, the, on these? So with our engaging men and boys, recognizing that if we are going to change the spectrum and so if we're going to change things in society specifically around gender-based violence, we have to engage men and boys. Not necessarily just from the perspective of them using violence, 
but also to ensure that we're changing mindset in the way that especially our boys are being raised. So think, the thinking, the cultural norms, the harmful things that we teach boys around masculinity. So we run community engagements and workshops with young men, with boys and with men. We also have a specific counseling program for men who use violence. So let's say we're working with the with the with the partner and and your part the male partner can come in for counseling as well and and there's a specific program designed for that our ours is also about behavior change and that's the goal that we want to ensure that so that we keep people uh, keep victims safe yeah it's a beautiful initiative and i i i do hope that uh, the people who are perpetrators of these um, gender-based crimes or gender-based violence can also step up and get the help that they need. Because, yes, it's good for uh, the victims and survivors to go through such pro- uh, programs and also for those who are still young and vulnerable and they don't know much to be taught in such programs. But my concern is always that there aren't enough programs for those who are perpetrating such. Because once they do the, you know, one crime, it's more likely than not that they will repeat it again. And that's a sad reality. Exactly. And that's why we reiterate, that's why we do insist on and for ourselves as well, we are that engaging men and boys, recognizing that those who use violence, you know, in order for them to stop, there needs to be an intervention. And those that haven't uh, uh, started, if, if, if they're in environments where it's acceptable, they can start using the violence. So we, we ensure that we intercept that. And I just also want to add uh, very quickly that engaging men and boys, we don't want to just, we, we don't see it as a poor unemployed in the township because we don't want to see it as those are the only ones that are using violence against women. What we are trying now to encourage and to really push through is to start working with government and private sector so that we can access, even in schools, so that we can access all men and boys in all spheres of our society because we do know that violence is not perpetrated by just poor unemployed people who have time to attend the workshops. Let me go to Anonymous A-Team on the line. Hello, Patricia. Good I evening just once again. Hello to your guest. I just want to say, you know, when you send um, a prediction order, for, especially for a male, I'm not referring to the female here, more for the male, the male tends to victimize uh, his partner, the female partner, in so many different ways. Uh, you know, sometimes I feel if there's a problem at the, you know, with the, whatever problem they may be having, they should seek assistance. The female should seek assistance first from a social worker or from people like your guest, you know, to resolve the issue before you get a protection order. Thank Th- you. Thank you very much, Anonymous. Uh, what's your take on that, Advocate uh, Darissa? So I'm, I hope I got it right. I think she's saying once you get a protection order, uh, it's easy for the male partner to victimize you and there needs to be intervention. Yeah. One of the things that we do, and we're based in Cape Town, we've got some services in the Tone area in the courts and um, in Durban. One of the things that our social auxiliary workers where the courts do is to create safety plans. 
So part of that safety plan is is to ensure that you're going to be safe from the partner, especially if you are separated or going back into the same space where he is. And part of that safety plan could be we do follow-up service where you are then connected or referred to another social worker. It could be mosaic social worker, like especially if you're in Cape Town, it's easy because we have social workers present that you can be referred to. And as they engage with you through counselling, they can then link up as well with the male uh, with the with the male partner. Is is, is the um, as the caller has noted. So part of that is we have to work holistically. We realize that we cannot work. This is very complex. We don't work with one isolated uh, person within the incident in order for us to ensure that the victim is safe. Africa's Darasai, uh, when will the um, SAFE project that you have launched be um, you know, taken out to the rest of the country? I mean, I understand you're based in Cape Town, so Philippi has been privileged by having the launch there and the pilot being done there, but are, are there plans to get to the rest of the country? Well, there are definitely plans. There are definitely plans, you know, but you know what they say, people plan and... Um, God last, in this case the government, we hope that they'll take it up as an innovative project that um, that they'll want to use. But part of it is for us, we'll push for that as well. One of the things that we are going to uh, do is in the next year, we really are going to move the three sites uh, to ensure that all of them are working at an optimal level, that the partnerships are solid, but that we can show, because we're going to include a shared measurement system where we can actually quantify the results that we're seeing, how many survivors are reporting, how many are responded, to what extent are we, are, are we ensuring that they are safe, so that we're able to show U.S. society, but also on a government level and even the private sector to see that this works and if we localize solutions in having a community coordinated approach we can actually utilizing community resources and not undermining communities that's the most key important is that we want to use community resources that are already working in an uncoordinated but if we join them together they'll work so hopefully by already next year we can see those results and we're able to scale it up Thank you so very much for joining us, Advocate Durasai. Can you give us uh, contact details for Mosaica Training Service and uh, Healing Center? If anyone needs our services, our number is 021-761-7585. Simple as that. Have a good evening further. Thank you so much, Patricia. Have a good evening. Take care. It's officially 11 o'clock on the dot. Let's go to the beautiful Amanda Machaka for the final news bulletin. And remember, straight after that, it's Clairvoyant Media Mondays. So get those fingers dialing 011-714-2006.